Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, Malcolm the First. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello and welcome to Rex Factor reviewing all the kings and queens of Scots from Kenneth McAlpin to James VI. Still sounds a bit weird to me. I'm so used to saying of England. And we're up to this week? Well, we are up to, which will definitely please you, Malcolm the First. Fabulous. I mean, what a name. That's proper solid Scottish <laughs> name. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, um, quick bit of backgroundy stuff just to bring us up to speed with where we were in case you maybe haven't been listening or all connected right. for the last few months. Um, we had the beginning still of Scotland. So when we started, Scotland wasn't really there as an actual country. Yeah. It was lots of different kingdoms in the land that we now know as Scotland. So we've got the Picts, the Saxons, the Britons, and the Scots. Yeah. And the Scots under Kenneth and Calpin gradually come to the fore in the 840s, 850s. Mm-hmm. And we still got, they've still got plenty of enemies. Still got plenty of enemies, particularly the Vikings. Lovely. In the 860s and 70s, and the reign of Constantine I cause a lot of instability. Yeah. Not least by killing Constantine the First. They are jolly good at that. We are yeah, good at that, I mean, yeah. can't deny it. This uh, weakens the state, so we have mm. internal divisions. So, Iath, hashtag... Who's that? Oh, yeah. Remember yeah, Iath. Yeah, gets uh, killed just after a year and is replaced by a combination of Girik and or Yoki. Whoever it was, they get kicked out when Donald II, who had been exiled in Ireland, comes back, reclaims the throne. And he is now following that... Cayman line. Yeah, the Alpine line yeah. is back and it's Brothers, restored. that thing, backwards and forwards. Exactly. Um, but Donald is then himself also killed by the Vikings. R- yes, yeah, of course, yeah. So it's all looking a little bit difficult, but then we have Constantine II. Sounds hopeful. He was our last monarch and uh, he was quite an important one. So he defeats the Vikings in 904. Lovely. And then he then pushes south. So we're using uh, York which is the capital of the sort of Saxon kingdom, Northumbria. Yeah. So he's using that that area between what is currently Scotland and mm. York as a sort of buffer. Exactly. So it's right. a buffer state between him, initially him and the Vikings, but then emerges a more powerful foe for both of them in the form of Athelstan. Oh, yes. Who is king of a new country called England. Right. Up and starts. Exactly. And he starts having this sort of vision of an imperial Britain mm. and himself as emperor of all Britain. Yeah. So Constantine, still using York, but now with the Vikings, creates these alliances, keeps Athelstan at bay, mm. is defeated at Brunanburh in 937, yeah. which is this grand sort of coalition of all the anti-Athelstans yeah. and Athelstan. So Athelstan's victorious, but doesn't actually gain any territory, doesn't push into Scotland again, so... That's still so it's sort of a victory, is it? Did we yeah. that what we decided? It wasn't really a victory, but it was a... Yeah. Defeat worth having. So Constantine the Second does all of that. Consequently, he did get the Rex Factor. Yes, well Join. done. So, how many have we got now? So it's Kenneth McAlpin and Constantine the Second. Just the two right. Now. What a group. So that's who we've uh, had before, mm-hmm. but we're now on to Malcolm the First. We don't know exactly where Malcolm was born, but his father died in the year nine hundred, so he couldn't have been born any later than nine oh one. 
Yeah, and... Um, so if we assume the year 900, mm. that means Malcolm's about 43 when he becomes king. That's still pretty old, and that's right at the limit, so he could have been older. Yeah, mm. exactly. And right. so that's because Constantine was there from 900 to 943. Yeah. So it's a really long reign. Yeah. So Malcolm's been waiting all this time. I just want to point out, I didn't mean really old, as in anyone <laughs> yeah. who is 43 is very old, just mean relative to, to previous monarchs, perhaps. Well, a lot of, most of the previous monarchs would not have lived to reach yeah. 43. Yeah, yeah. Generally. So it is quite old for the time. Mm. Um, his name, uh, Malcolm, uh, means... Did you have something in your throat? Malcolm. It means a devotee of Columba. Ah, which is very important, as we know. Uh, Columba was the Irish monk who comes over to the island on the west coast of Scotland, Iona, mm. and effectively is the sort of founding father of Scottish Christianity. Mm. <laughs> it indicates the significance of Iona yeah. still for the Alpine dynasty. But it also, Malcolm as a name, it's entirely possible that this is the first ever instance of anybody being called Malcolm. Well, I mean, you heard it here first. Right, well, I mean, I really hope that's true. If there's any other Malcolms out there that would like to contest this, please <laughs> get in touch. Details at the end. So he's Malcolm the First of Scotland, but he's mm. also literally... Malcolm the First! The first. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, really good. Um, so he's the son of Donald the Second. Oh, I just missed out. <laughs> and Mrs. Donald the Second. Mm. Now, the family tree is starting to get a little... Fragmented, so I'll now just follow Ali's benefit, but I'll put this up on yeah. the blog raxfactor.wordpress.com. A family tree, mm. so we can see the descent. So Malcolm is son of Donald II, grandson of Constantine I, and great grandson of Kenneth McAlpin. Right, and on the other side of the family, on the other side of the family, we have the previous monarch Constantine II, yes. who was cousins with Malcolm's father Donald II. It's getting more distant, isn't it? The lines yeah. are splitting away, yeah. The point is that we, previously with the succession, it was, you had brothers, they shared it, yeah. one went from one to the other, and then it went to the first brother's children, mm. and the second, but it's now starting to get further and further out. That was a recipe for disaster. It can only get more distant, can't it? Yeah, so previously it's probably been quite a good way of managing it, but we are, in the future, going to see some mm. issues mm. emerging. Perhaps not such a big deal for Malcolm, but in the future. Which does then mean we've had a number of monarchs since um, the K-Man McPee, yeah. but he's only currently a great-grandfather to the monarch that we're studying. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Right. This could take a while. <laughs> Strap in. <laughs> now, unfortunately, we don't have any contemporary images of Malcolm the First. No. So, Ali, if you'd like to refer to the Heritage oh. Playing Cards Limited... I thought you'd ask something to dress up depiction of him. OK, here we go. And reveal... Ooh, he's a big chap, isn't How he? How does he look on the card? Um, he, he's... I'm hoping that spear is pointing towards me, otherwise he's massive. <laughs> um, burly, ginger. I would describe him, incorrectly, <laughs> as, a val- as a Viking there. He looks like a little bit of it. Um, um, round, round shield, as the uh, as is the way. Then yeah. nice, um, but trousered. Is this he significant? Is trousered, yeah, yeah. And uh, his beard, very full, very full. Uh, how old does he look? Well, I would say about forty-three. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, the artist knew what he's doing. And uh, is he a man of action? Is he a man of war? A man of peace? What's he? What's he like? Um, he has got a rather big helmet over his head and eyes mm. but I would say I wouldn't want to mess with him given his running towards me there with a large spear <laughs> and you know he means business he, though he is a five of hearts so maybe you know he's a lover mm. well it's interesting because he's 
as you said, 43 when he comes to the throne, so mm. he's obviously been waiting quite a while. So there is maybe with Malcolm a little bit of a sense of an old man. In or America. urgency, yeah. yeah, yeah. he wants to get stuff done. Yeah, definitely. Um, his epithet is... Um, now, Ali, I don't know if you just want to read oh, that. No problem. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Old, uh, just there. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's a bit of uh, old Scottish, isn't it? Yeah, that's a... Uh, hang on, is this... <laughs> that'll be Edinburgh dialect. Okay. Um, Brodach... Brodhudbud... Dirkak. Yeah? That is spelled B-O-D-H-B-H-D-E-R-C-C. That second C surely is <laughs> unnecessary. Oh. But it means dangerous red man or battle fury. Both of which could perfectly describe that man. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, so that's a pretty good one, I'd say. Mm, very can, good. You can enjoy that Let's one. Let's post him. Yeah. So, Malcolm's early years. We don't know exactly what he was doing when Constantine II was king. Suspicious? Well, we don't even know, technically, if he was even the designated successor. Is that scandal? Well, because some people have, as we said, we've got this alternating succession, but because we're a bit more distant now, he's not Constantine's brother or even nephew. Yeah. He's getting a bit distant. So some have suggested that maybe Constantine had hoped that his eldest son would succeed him. Constantine's eldest son is... He was killed at Brunenburg. Oh, the big one. Yeah. So possibly... Malcolm wasn't meant to be the king. Consequently, who knows what he was doing? Maybe he was ruling a province in yeah. Scotland on Constantine's behalf. Maybe he wasn't favoured. Maybe he was in exile. Or in Ireland doing his columbal worship. Exactly. There's certainly no evidence that he was at Brunenburg. Which oh, is like right. The of the I would have thought that was like your... Uh, if you're looking at a kingly CV, yeah. in that time... To not have that on your CV mm. would be a, a bit of a weakness. Exactly. You'd want to be there, which suggests mm. perhaps that they didn't want him there, or that mm. he didn't have good mm. relations. I'm rubbing my chin. Mm. So, what we wonder is, in 943, Constantine II didn't die, he abdicated. What? So Constantine II actually abdicated the throne and spent actually another nine years in retirement in a monastery. Is that a theory? That, that No, it definitely happened. Oh, definitely. That's definitely what happened. Why? Well, so we think... Did he jump or was he pushed? He had this burly man chasing him. Exactly. Did Malcolm just get fed off of waiting and say, Oi, hop it. Well, I better not give Charles a spear and an orange beard. <laughs> exactly. Good grief. I wonder what he threatened. Well, exactly. Death, I imagine. Probably. Well, you said probably. <laughs> that's a tradition. I'm just, I'm not going for anything special. Yeah, just a simple death threat. Um, <laughs> exactly. Just process that. Yeah. Do out. that as you will. I'm sitting in this nice good <laughs> chair. Or alternatively, Constantine was just really old and a bit depressed after losing Brunenburg and his son being killed. Mm. I'm going the death threat. So, the Saxons, under Athelstan, have defeated Constantine II, the Scots, Owen of Strathclyde, or Cumbria, it kind of, the yeah. two terms get used, interchanged, and Olaf Gothrisson, who was a Viking ruling in Dublin, who wanted to also rule in York. Yeah. So, Brunenburg sees all of them defeated by Athelstan, but... Just two years later, in 939, Athelstan dies. Mm. And he's uh, replaced by uh, his younger brother Edmund, who's only 18 years old. Olaf Gothrisson, the Viking, takes advantage, comes back from Dublin and recaptures York and the five boroughs, which are these in uh, the Midlands, major now, cities. Um, sorry if this is an aside. Mm. It totally is. Why were the Vikings quite so keen on York? Well, the benefit of York, I suppose, partly that they'd been there for quite a while, so they thought that they had it. Home. So we've got Alfred and uh, Guthrum, the Viking, who'd agreed this sort of separation of England mm-hmm. and the Dane law. 
So York was kind of the Viking capital in their territory. But also it's quite useful where you've got Dublin, which is a Viking city, York, which is a Viking city, and then you can go off to Viking. So, uh, like island hopping, it's right on the line, it's on the way. Right, okay. So they're quite keen to keep control of it. It's useful for the trade routes and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, So Olaf comes back and he recaptures York and all these sort of Midland towns like Nottingham and Leicester Mm. and Lincoln, etc., but in 941, he died and was replaced by his cousins, Olaf Citrixen, um, or as he's known in Ireland, Amleif Kuran, which means Olaf the Sandal Wearer. Not so good. I mean, is that, is that his actual... Did he give himself that? Do you I'm think? not sure, but I fear it does mark the fact that the Vikings are maybe not the force they used <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, Yeah, they've rather lost their teeth. You know, a few generations ago we had Ivor the Boneless. Yeah. Now we've got... Olaf the Sandal, Sandal. Mm. Mm. That's settling down, isn't it? Uh, and his cousin, uh, Ragnar Gothrisson. So it's not clear whether one ruled in the other or if the two of them together, mm. but the Vikings are still there. Right. In Strathclyde, mm. or Cumbria, so that's sort of southwest Scotland, northwest Britain, so sort of a bit of Glasgow, bit of Lake District, mm. that kind of area. Owen dies um, roughly 937 and is succeeded by his son, Diftwal, or Dunmile III. Mm. So we've got a new king in Strathclyde. And as you said, Scotland, Constantine II abdicates, Malcolm I becomes king. Right. So we have a continuation of this battle for York. So we've seen it with Athelstan against Constantine II and the Vikings, and it keeps going in this reign under Malcolm. So this is like a a Verdun on the, west, on the western front. It keeps going from side yeah. to side at the moment. Because the borders aren't yet defined. So we think of York obviously just part of England, but this time it could be part of the Saxons, it could mm. be Viking, it could be Scottish, mm. or it could be its own sort of independent yeah. land. So it's all up for grabs. Um, Michael Wood, historian, described it as a sort of Dark Age Vietnam. <laughs> so we've got, in the next 15 years, seven kings in York and nine different reigns. Right. So, 943, Edmund of England gets back on the offensive. He recaptures the five boroughs, the Midlands towns. Olaf Citrixen narrowly escapes, but he's forced to come to terms with Edmund, and he's baptised. Oh, right. But I bet they think that's their fate worse than death. No, not the holy water! <laughs> oh, well, sorry, as he goes out, he uncrosses his fingers and goes back to a nice bit of Viking. Um, 944... Um, Olaf and Ragnar seem to have lost the support of the local leaders in York, particularly the Archbishop Wolfstan. Edmund launches another lightning campaign and recaptures York. Brilliant. So well Olaf flees to Dublin and Ragnar sought to be killed. So the Saxons are back in control of York. Meanwhile in Scotland? Well, in eight, uh, 945, Edmund keeps on going mm. and launches another blitzkrieg, this time into Strathclyde, or Cumbria. Why? Ah, well, they'd been, like Constantine, they'd allied with the Vikings previously. Ah. So he thought, I don't want you to keep being a problem. He yeah. doesn't want the Vikings to keep just being able to go to the Lake District, chill out for a bit, look at the views, and then yeah, and pop then, back to York. Yeah. Mm. So he's going in there and stopping it. Um, so he lays waste to Cumbria, um, said to have blinded two of Dunmile's sons. Mm. Possibly they might have been hostages, and then Dunmile broke his Pledge of Allegiance or something like that. We don't quite Honestly. know why. Um, however, rather than keep hold of Cumbria, Edmund decides to make a deal with Malcolm I of Scotland. Right, okay, so now they're united against the Vikings. King of England makes a deal with the King of mm. Scotland, Malcolm, and um, on condition that he should be uh, his ally both on sea and on land, Edmund gives ownership of Cumbria to Malcolm. 
Okay. So Edmund has conquered Cumbria, and then says to Malcolm, hey, if you stop messing around with these Vikings, it's yours. But he's got everything else. He's got York now. He's got um, York, yeah. he's got five of the Midlands, mm. and he gives Cumbria to Malcolm. Mm. And Malcolm says, all right. Thanks very much. Fair enough. And sends a snotty letter back to his Viking friends. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not wanted anymore. <laughs> and so... 946, Edmund's only 25 years old, showing potential possibly to match, if not exceed, the achievements of Athelstan, and a bit more canny, rather than just demanding everyone bow down to him like Athelstan did. Edmund is, you know, he's making a deal, he's being strategic. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he tackles a thief who appears at a banquet and is stabbed to death. Do, no, I do do remember this. Um, The notorious thief, Leoffa. Oh, was there something, what happened to him? I mean, I, I think he was um, torn apart soon mm. afterwards. Mm. But this is a dangerous time, so yeah. it's you know just killed randomly in a fight. And that's bad thieving, isn't it? If you're gonna if you're gonna steal, <laughs> and then you get apprehended by the king, yes, game's up. Yeah, don't then take the next step to regicide. Yeah, mm. just a little hint for everyone out there who's <laughs> contemplating thieving in Buckingham Palace. So Edred is the next king of England. Mm. Is he the um, toothless one? He's the one of the food-sucking Yes, with his digestive problems. So in 946, the Chronic of Melrose noted, Edred acquired Northumbria, which was in rebellion against him, and the Scots submitted to him without fighting. So it seems that Northumbria is really keen to be independent. Uh, so this is the other side of the country from Cumbria? Yes, yeah, so this is back with York as the capital okay. of Northumbria, mm. in the northeast of England. So Northumbria really just doesn't want to be part of any of this. It just kind of wants to have its own independence. Because before they were they were a different kingdom altogether, way exactly. back. Exactly, it used well, to be a really powerful kingdom. Called the Britons, wasn't it? Uh, no, they were the Northumbria had always been sort of Angles or Saxons, right. depending on which. But they were caught in the middle of the two, only two generations before. Yeah. Right. So, um, Edred, however, puts down the rebellion. The Scots carry on as, as per the mm. old deal, continues between Malcolm and Edred. Um, so, that all seems fine. However, someone new arrives on the scene. Uh-oh. Cue music. We have Eric the Bloodaxe. Now, he sounds my cup of tea. He is a Viking, and he is a proper Viking. Yeah, he doesn't care what's on his feet, exactly. as long as he's got an axe in his hand. No hippie sandal-wearing no. nonsense no, from no. Eric. He's the son of Harold Fairhair, the first king of Norway, killed two of his own brothers to take the throne before Ooh. finally being expelled. Plundered the British coast for a while, looking uh, for an attempt to gain a foothold, but then found his way to Northumbria in 947. Right, gosh. And Archbishop Wolfstan in York, mm. who seems to be the main person keen for independence, mm. thinks, ah, this guy is the son of a king, and he sounds a bit more like he could actually do well, some good. He'd be willing to side with this guy, anything that not to be under the King of England. Exactly, because he thinks, well, Eric will value the support of the church he'll go along with what they need him to go along with he'll show all due whatever and Uh he'll be able to fight off Scots fight off the English so this is really tricky because I've always associated the two archbishops Canterbury and York Mm. to be I mean I know they always fell out with the crown at a certain time to see Mm. Henry the second episodes (laughs) but um, I didn't think they'd ever want to actually split into a separate kingdom well I guess this is in a way this is before they've really formally become England become yeah so it's still this case where it's like Athelstan and Edmund making them submit rather than it being 
So without... Indisputably the same country. They're the archbishops at this time subservient to the King of England still, or just... They're just... Yes, in theory, theory, right. but it's... Okay, it's, it's a bit more fluid. Mm-hmm. Got a little description of Eric here. Mm-hmm. Um, a big man and handsome, strong and valiant, a great warrior and victorious in battle, mm. very impetuous in disposition, cruel, unfriendly, and silent. Oh. Okay. I, he's a Viking. Yeah, perfect description. Well, Proper old-school pagan mm. Viking. Says nothing, someone annoys him, chops the head off. Um, so, Wulstan and Northumbrians invite Eric to come along mm. and make him their king. Mm. So we've now got King Eric... Blood Axe in York. Can I um, make a prediction? Yes. I don't think it's going to end very well for Malcolm. Now, I did suggest how (laughs) powerful he looked, and he... I mean, he well could be called the Blood Axe there. Mm. But what have we learned... Never challenge a Viking. Mm. Now, I'm just putting it out there. I don't, know, I don't know how this, this goes. Once again, my, my, uh, I fell a little behind on my research, so <laughs> carry on. Well, I mean, he is a threat. That's definitely the mm. case. He's powerful. He's um, He's got quite a good record. He's battley. And he's made a threat. He probably had actually initially landed like in the Orkneys mm. and stuff like that. So he may have some kind of foothold in some of the sort of Scottish islands. Mm. So you've got, for Malcolm this powerful Viking king in York mm. who has links to the islands mm. of Scotland. So he's kind of up and down. He's got Viking. Yeah. So it is okay. a threat. It is yeah. a danger. So you could surround this whole place with... In theory, that's the, yeah. that's the concern. Edred, king of England, is also not very happy about this. No. So 948, um, despite his tummy problems, his violent temper was uh, quite spectacular. He raised an army, marched north, Burnt down various towns, slaughtered lots of people, including um, burning down the sacred abbey at Ripon. I mean, what did he think that would do? Would it well, it, on well, hearts it, and minds job. I'm not sure hearts and mind was his tactic. He was a bit more shock and awe. I think. <laughs> so he show a force, and Northumbrians think, "All right, sorry, won't happen again." <laughs> yeah. Eric, however, is sort of tactically not been in York, so he's kind of been hiding in the bushes. Right. So while Edred's long army is making its way back at Castleford, the rear guard are ambushed by Eric and defeated. Okay, so he's got half his, his army effectively out now. Yeah, okay. they're taken out. Um, it's probably less than half, though. Um, mm. But it's first sort of notable Saxon defeat mm. for a very long time. Mm. Word obviously passes down the line. Somebody tells Edred what's happened. So he turns back, threatens even worse destruction upon Northumbria. But what's it got to do with them? Well, because Eric is still their king. Right, okay. And uh, this time they say, okay, Eric... Marching orders, you're out of here. They, what the, the people did? Northumbrians give him up. Okay, so to avoid being if they, I didn't realise they had that ability. I yeah. they were just sort of going, oh, it wasn't me. You're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the fellow with a bloody axe over there. Exactly. Bloody there, meaning literally dripping. Literally dripping. <laughs> <laughs> Almost certainly always was. <laughs> so, that's all fine then. Eric's gone. Okay, I get it wrong. I got it wrong, rather. Everything's good. Olaf Citrixen, mm. the Viking at this point, returns from Dublin to get York back. Okay. However, he may have been assisted in doing this by Malcolm. Because Malcolm, in this period, launches a raid into Northumbria. Turncoat. Well, except that Edred doesn't seem to mind when Olaf comes back. So perhaps they both thought Olaf the sandal wearer, (laughs) or Eric the blood axe, who wants to kill us, will just bring Olaf back on our terms, and then we can manage And have him as a buffer between everyone, and you can chip away at him. Exactly. Anyone's better than Eric. Exactly. But there was all, they all knew what was going on, so yeah. So everything's lovely. fine, and it's all going well. 
Um, we're not sure what Eric got up to from 948 to 956. Well, I mean, as a Viking, he was probably plundering British and Irish coasts. Yeah. Um, but there are some legends of pirate expeditions to Spain. Why not? I mean, it's a battle. Go on exactly. yeah. Probably engaging in a bit of slavery. Yeah, imagine that in the hostel. What have you been on? Oh, did a bit of kinging and a bit of slaying, having a break. <laughs> back soon, back soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is indeed the case. Yes. Because in 952, he does come back. Brilliant. He uh, takes on a combined army of the Scots, the Britons, who, of course, under Malcolm. Yeah. And uh, Olaf and the Vikings, who are there in Northumbria. A bit of Saxons. Destroys them. He does destroy them. He is victorious. Eric wins the battle and he is brought back to be king in York once more. Oh, I bet he was furious. (laughs) Oh, what did he do? Well, um, what he did was actually not very impressive. Wolfstan, um, presumably Edred, rather fed up with this Archbishop of York who keeps bringing back the pagan berserker. Yeah, back at him. Um, Well, he's in Beckett him, but as soon as Wolfstan leaves York, he gets arrested. Mm. And he gets imprisoned in this uh, church in Bradwell on sea. Oh, right. A really old one. Um, Um, St. Peter's on the Wall. Oh, right. Around there he gets put. And then 954, the Northumbrians, without Wolfstan there to keep them together, are thinking, look, this is all a lot of bother. (laughs) And uh, Eric is betrayed, possibly by one Earl Maccus. And uh, in 954, he's assassinated at Stainmore. Oh, that's a shame. That's not how he wanted to go. <laughs> no. He definitely wanted a big battle. Although, I think he probably did go down fighting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine there were a couple of assailants to take him down. If not hundreds. <laughs> you can imagine if <laughs> well, he was a battle, all on. But just with one other person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a superhero movie, basically. Yeah. It's the equivalent of a Dark Age Avenger. Yeah. Instead of Viking. Lovely. Um, they so, should do that. Yes. Well, I thought it was all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. <laughs> Got there before us. Ruined. Um, maybe they can add Olaf the sandal wearer to their. Uh, <laughs> if, the, if he needs a sidekick, yeah. I mean, the, the, the spot's his. <laughs> the Dark Age Robin. Um, so that is it. Now, Northumbria is permanently under English rule. From that point, well, we'll find out. But no, yes, from that point on, mm. so there never again is there a king in Northumbria. They're never independent again. From this point on. The north of England is part of England. Right. And and, and so there, there's a bit of backwards and forwards between Scotland and England, which yeah, is... the very top discover. of the border, we'll see, right. borderland yeah. competition, but York, etc., no permanently English. English. And what year is this? That's 954. And they've been loyal ever since, but, you know, let's keep an eye on these chaps. Yeah, they? exactly. They're yeah. still, you know, they're still not entirely happy about this. No, so. I mean, I've been there. They've got a Yorgit Viking centre. I think they're still not <laughs> yeah, loyal still to elsewhere. <laughs> Wolfstan is then released, but dies two years later. Never actually gets to go back to York, presumably because he wasn't allowed. I mean, yeah, I mean, released under watchful eye. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, Olaf, uh, the sandal wearer, struggles on in Dublin, um, but he even loses that throne mm-hmm. as well. So he actually... In 980, also retires, a bit like Constantine the <laughs> Second, and he goes to Iona. Right. That's so he obviously is he goes to religious. Scotland. Yes, he goes and retires to take sort of religious orders on the Scottish Holy Island. <laughs> That's very odd, isn't it? Like, he wasn't a proper Viking. No, he? I suppose not. But, you know, it makes you think that maybe they all see this as one giant game where the consequences are death. And if someone opts out, yeah. so I'm, no, I'm not playing, I'm out of the game, I'm not playing. Can I become my mum? Can I own that? Yeah, up? can't touch me. That's where you go out. <laughs> it's not painful. And he's like, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still go. <laughs> in 954, mm-hmm. with all this having happened later in the year, Malcolm was killed by men of Merns in Fodrisak. What, do, what does half of that sentence mean? 
Um, so it's probably Fodrasak is probably Fetoreso, which is near Stonehaven, yeah. which is on the east coast, sort of south of Aberdeen. Okay. So we're not quite sure who these people are. And what what is it? What they called uh, men of Merns. Right. Possibly his territory of Moray, which at this time was quite a large kingdom on the east coast, mm. or sub-kingdom, or province, or whatever. Okay. So, with all this crazy stuff having gone on with the Vikings and the Cumbrians and the Saxons, yeah. it's finally all quietened down, and then a few months later, Malcolm gets killed by his own, <laughs> his own people. Always do that. Just when, just when the game <laughs> yes. has settled and they've yeah. finished around, there's no time to catch your breath, because some... Bright Spark jumps up and kills one of them. Oh. Exactly, it's like Sonic sits down and says, like, Ah, oh, finally. Cup of tea. Who, uh, who just put a sword in there? Yeah. What's going on? What is that, what's that sharp feeling? <laughs> yeah. So, 954, probably about 54 years old, Malcolm I is dead. 54 at youngest. Well, so, yeah, 54 mm. at youngest, and also not by natural causes, he was still very much, mm. <laughs> very mm. much going. So that's quite good. I mean, he's going to do well there. Mm. So, that sadly, though, is the end of his life and reign, but. How does he fare when we come to review him? Let's have a little look. Battleiness! Well, we've got some positives for Malcolm mm. in Battleiness. Um, firstly, he does have that cool nickname. Yes. Dangerous Red Man, Battle yes. Fury. Possibly a reference to an Irish war god, uh, Bod Dirk, which suggests a warry sort of fellow. Right, yeah, well, he certainly. I mean, he clearly is, isn't he? He's, he's, if he doesn't score well in this, he will mm. turn in his grave. <laughs> he certainly will. Um, we, one thing, wonderful thing, is in Cumbria and Edmund's attack there, mm. um, there's this great legend about what happens when Edmund in 945 captures Cumbria. Right. So we've got the King Dunmile, who is this sort of almost legendary figure as the last king of Cumbria. So what was said to have happened is that in the Lake District, in a pass dividing the Vale of Grasmere from Thirlmere Valley... We're still there today. Still there yeah. today. Um, an alliance of Edmund and Malcolm takes on Dunmile, defeats him, and kills him. Because he's the king of just Cumbria. Mm, right. Cumbria, Strathclyde, yeah. interchangeable terms. And Edmund um, orders the Cumbrian survivors to collect rocks to pile on top of Dunmile's body, which is known as Dunmile's Rise, so it's this massive cairn. Mm. It's like a pile of rocks yeah. used as a way marker. And then uh, Greasedale Tarn, Dunmile's surviving knight, climb into the mountains take his crown and throw it into this tarn, tarn being a sort of a lake up in the mountains, um, safe for the day that he will one day return to rule them again. Right. So then every night, apparently, or no, every year, his warriors come back, get the crown out of the tarn, mm-hmm. pop back down to where his bones are buried, knock on the cairn with their spears to raise him, and then he whispers back to them, not yet, not yet, wait a while, my warriors. Has that been revived? I bet they do that up there. You're, you're a it's man of Cumbria. Cumbria. I'll bring it back. Yeah. Pop into the town. If anyone in northern England fancies a little Rex meet-up in Cumbria, <laughs> yeah. let's go and tap on a pile of rocks with a stick and talk to them. Wordsworth even wrote a little uh, oh, really? poem about him. They now have reached that pile of stones heaped over brave King Dunmile's bones. He who once held supreme command, last king of rocky Cumberland... His Cumberland. Bo- Cumberland. <laughs> his bones and those of all his power are slain here in a disastrous hour. Well, that's not a nice little ditty. We should, we'll recite that when we're there. Yeah. Now, there are aspects of this which are definitely true. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a cairn to this day in that location. Right. The place is called Dunmiles Ray. It's along the uh, A591. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not promising it's going to be a lovely weekend. 
There was a Tamile who was defeated by Edmund. We're not sure whether Malcolm was actually involved or mm. not. Possibly not. But there are some problems. Mm. Um, Dunmile didn't actually die until 975. Mm, why is that a problem? Because the battle was in 945. Right. So he's probably not buried under those cairns after the battle, given that he didn't die for another 30 years. Yes. And um, also his son, also called Malcolm, confusingly, lived on until 997 and was also King of Cumbria. Right. So how is it that Edmund gives Malcolm the first of Scotland control of Cumbria, and yet we have Cumbrian kings still, carrying still on. going on afterwards? Yeah. It's all a bit confusing. This is what Anglo-Saxon Chronicle said. In this year, King Edmund ravaged all Cumberland and granted it all to Malcolm, King of the Scots, on condition that he should be his ally both on sea and on land. Mm. What we don't know is the extent to which Malcolm actually ruled over it. Right. So what he might have done is effectively leased it back to Dunmile. So Malcolm is like the overlord, but it's easier rather than him having to try and rule a hostile territory. Yeah. He just keeps the residents. Outsourcing, keep costs down, just take a bit of longer every year or something. Exactly. And so that might be why um, Dunmile's son is called Malcolm. So he's possibly named in honour of... Oh, right, the boss. The boss. Yeah. Guy in charge. Now, it's a bit of a suck-up, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I called him Malcolm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, did you? Well, that's very, I approve. Uh, Malcolm II, naturally. <laughs> now, in terms of why Edmund makes this deal and throws all this territory away, as we said, we had that fact that the Vikings and the alliance between the Scots and the Cumbrians have been rather awkward. Mm. So that's why he wants to get rid of Cumbria. But probably Scotland he considers too powerful to subdue. Right. So he thinks, well, I can't just keep on going like Athelstan did. I'm not going to conquer Scotland. Yeah. So it's better if I can use them as a strong ally rather than yeah, that makes sense. fighting with yeah. them. And this is actually pretty positive for Malcolm, really, because that indicates actually how powerful he and Scotland are in this period. Mm. That mm. Edmund, after all that Athelstan does now, Edmund is making an alliance with him. Yes, so viewing him as an equal yeah. rather than someone to be subservient and then overlord to. And he's not yeah. demanding that he comes south to England and witness all of these charters and yeah. take part in ceremonies. Yeah. And he's actually given him this whole load of territory. Yeah. Yeah, tick. Big one. Big tick. And it also recognises him as the dominant force in northern Britain. Yeah. Now, we also have uh, a raid into Northumbria. So if we refer to the Chronicle of the Kings of Alba, mm. it says... In the seventh year of his rule, he raided the English as far as the River Tees and seized a great number of men and many herds of cattle. Oh, you all love cattle, yeah. Well, that's spoils of war. So, but only a raid, not a, not a, not an invasion. Mm. What we think that it may not actually have been quite the um, seventh year of his rule, but it may have been around the time of nine four eight, which is when Eric the Blood Axe had been kicked out of York and Olaf the Sandalwear had been invited back. So perhaps what Malcolm was doing was launching an invasion against some of the asp- elements in Northumbria which still wanted their independence that might have opposed Olaf. Okay. So Malcolm launches this attack, helps yeah. Olaf to get his place. It was a mop-up. A little bit of a mop-up. Mm, and he got some cows for his help. He got some cows and some slaves. Jolly good. As you do. So all in all, it's pretty uh, pretty successful. Mm. Keeps the productive relationship with the new king, Edred. Yeah. And again, shows his power. Look at him, he's getting in there. Yeah, he can, he can dart in and out as he pleases. Yeah. So Edmund recognises that Malcolm is the dominant force. The tease raid shows how far south he's able to come and get some stuff out of it. Mm. 
Um, and he's continuing Constantine II's tactic of this sort of... Yeah, I liked him. Intervening yeah. in York and Northumbria, mm. playing people off against each other, keeping the fight very much away from your back door. Yeah. And he's just kept it going. Yeah. No, it's very good. I like it a lot. And if anything, he's taken it a bit further, because now Scotland isn't a target for England. Exactly, and it's just the the argument is just who rules this buffer zone. Yeah, and yeah, jolly good. Mm-hmm. And he can still go and kick the bottoms of this buffer zone if he wants to. Exactly. On the negative, mm. there's one rather funny story again in the Chronicle of the Kings of Alba, um, in relation to the Tees raid, raid into Northumbria. Right. Yeah. However, others say that Constantine had made that raid, demanding of the king, that is Malcolm, that he should give command of the army to him for a week so he could visit the English. I could visit. So this is saying that Constantine, who's still alive, if we call, comes comes out of retirement. Oh, that Constantine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, takes control of the army, has a little bit of fun, and then pops back to his monastery. Oh, I really hope that's true. I don't think that makes him a wimp, does it? Um, it's well it's it's probably not true oh and in fact the chronicle itself says for all that the truth is that it was not Constantine who made the raid but Constantine instigated it as I said as he said this who is this guy so there's um, Alex Wolfe an historian speculated that the chronicle came across this legend Mm -hmm. and thought oh that's brilliant it can't be true though (laughs) <laughs> but I've got to use it. I've got to write it down. So he thinks, this is nonsense, but I'm definitely going to make use of it. Yeah, well, I'm glad, because I always wouldn't know that. That's brilliant. So I think, in reality, possibly, at most, Constantine may still have been a prominent figure in Scotland. Mm. Maybe he advised Malcolm on it. Yeah. Maybe he suggested it. But I think it's fair to give Malcolm the credit for that one. OK, we'll give him the credit, but can we at least pretend that perhaps Constantine was there pretending to be a general, yeah. and perhaps, you know, he was a, an older man, and yeah. they were just having him along for the ride, and he was shouting yeah. orders, everyone was disobeying him. Yeah. He, he had a lovely time and was back in bed by eight. Exactly. Good. Where we do have a negative for Malcolm is the defeat in 952 to Eric. Yeah, that's not so Annals of Ulster um, said that a battle was fought against the men of Scotland and the Britons and the English by the foreigners mm. the foreigners always being Viking goes um, so this is when Olaf Citrixen was kicked out Eric was restored it's very likely that Malcolm Cumbria and the Saxons are the ones here that are fighting Eric mm. but we don't definitely have a witness statement that Malcolm himself was in this fighting yeah he may have sent a, an army down he may not be there himself he certainly wasn't killed mm. but nevertheless it is a defeat for the Scots, and Eric is briefly restored to yeah, the king. Definitely, of that's a big black mark there. Exactly, and interestingly, no English or Scottish sources list this battle, so it's only the Irish sources. Why don't? Why not? Do they think they're embarrassed? Well, they, yeah, the Irish sources may be a bit more neutral in this period mm, for all the stuff mm. going here. So maybe, yeah, they did just leave it out. Particularly because Eric is defeated a couple of years later, so they probably <laughs> just sweep it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one who writes in this entire country, so <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, yeah. it didn't happen. Take a mulligan on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also have, of course, Malcolm's death. Yeah, nine five four. The Chronicle of the Kings of Alba again. And men of Merns killed Malcolm in Fodrasac, that is, in Cladion. Oh, a little, a little helpful... Uh, yeah, <laughs> Just to be clear. Yeah, just to be clear. Or the Chronicle of Melrose. The men of Moray slew him in Ulm. He fell by the deceit and guile of an apostate nation. Ah. So Moray, as I said, is sort of semi-independent kingdom, or possibly a, a Mormodom. 
A Mormon. A Mormon in this period being a, a sort of like an earl. So it's perhaps a territory that used to be a kingdom and is now kind of within the control of the Scots, but it's still quite powerful. It's got entity. a caretaker manager. Yeah, it's got its own yeah. sort of rules and governance going on. Um, so possibly they may have been resistant to this centralised Scottish rule. Mm. And thus didn't like the fact that Malcolm and co were trying to incorporate them a bit more fully. Alternatively, um, earlier in the reign, there's a, a note that Malcolm kills a man in this region called Kellac. Mm. So it may have been revenge. Right. Who this. is Kellac? Um, we don't know. Right. Just some guy. Some dude. Got mm. killed by Malcolm. Um, could have been an assassination. Could even have been that perhaps the other side of the Scottish family, maybe they've ingratiated mm. themselves with Moray mm. and this is the undoing of Malcolm. Either way, in 9454, he is killed. Mm. Just leaving it like that. Um, but overall, I'd say he's got a fairly decent record. It is. It's, there's a big blot, mm. but um, he get, you know it's made good. Mm. And let's look at how it finishes, really, I suppose. Mm. It's good. I mean, it's a nice, nice bit of diplomacy, but, you know, there's always that threat of this big, burly fellow backing yeah. it up. Well, six. Yeah, because I think what we don't have is a big battle like Brunner mm. or a big victory. He's kind of, he's played the game quite well. Yeah. But we don't really have that big, no. defining moment. Yeah, I'm happy If he defeated Eric the Blood Axe, we'd be looking at that. That'd be great. Line, yeah. And what a battle that would be, too. Two yeah. colours looking like that. Crikey. So I think a six as well. Yeah. He's gained some territory, he's done pretty well, but he's not actually yeah. got a big hitter. Just to point out, we don't ever confer beforehand, so we have no idea if we do get the same score. That's... Yeah. Anyway, that is a 12 for battliness. Scandal. We had a tweet from uh, at Alyssa Kimberley who said that whenever I listen to Rex Factor, which is a lot, I hope that they will say scandaliness. Oh, that's good. It's alongside yeah. our battliness. Why didn't we say that? Mm, just never thought of it. Scandaliness! <laughs> there you go. So, we've got a couple of things here, actually. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier, and you gave him a little ding, mm. the abdication of Constantine II. <laughs> Did he force the old Rex Factor winning king to uh, hop his... And, uh, I really think so. ...to Iona, yeah. I mean, he must have been fed up waiting. Yeah. I'm sure that's a that's a big slab of juicy Victoria sponge cake of scandal there. Yeah. And as you said, the fact that he, you know, we don't have Malcolm at Brunenburg, we don't have any evidence of him doing stuff, no. suggests that he maybe wasn't favoured. Yeah, I mean, and he comes from nowhere. It's like um, the uh, chap in charge of um, Dagestan in south southern <laughs> Russia, just rule, mm. he, like big burly mm. beard, just comes from nowhere and rules in an iron fist. Mm. Scary man. We also have, as thing I just mentioned uh, under battliness, the murder of Kellach. Yeah. Chronicle of Kings of Alba says, With his army, Malcolm proceeded to Moray and slew Kellach. <laughs> um, as we said, we don't know who he was. He may have been a local leader. He may have led some kind of local uprising. But without any more information, it's just a murder. We don't know. Mm. Um, it may have been the motivation for Malcolm's death in 954. Maybe a complete coincidence. But... We definitely know that Malcolm killed a chap. That's a smudge. Yeah. The other's a slab. Yes. What else you got? Um, well, other than that, I don't have anything. Okay, so well, we're dealing with a smudge and a slab. Yeah, we don't have any juicy bedroom antics. No. We have uh, poss- a, not exactly usurpation, but... Uh, well, it's, it's, there's enough there for me to go on. Although he doesn't kill Constantine. No, I can't... I think that's... I mean, 
killing would be a straightforward everyone knows how they are with the death <laughs> you can see that's me I did it therefore I've got the ball um, that's just brilliant that, that, that he offered that, it, that he were offered something so terrifying <laughs> that he didn't even need to kill him he just yeah. said oh, I'm going I'm going I'm going yeah. brilliant it's a, it's a bit almost it's weird isn't it it's, it would almost be more honourable if he just killed mm, Constantine yeah. whereas instead it's a little more murky a little more backroom politics and the fact that he would have had to do the lying after, mm. so if someone comes around and says oh, I was looking for um, Constantine and he says no no he left he <laughs> left he didn't want to play anymore he, <laughs> um, he'd have had to keep that up mm-hmm. yeah I like it I like it about a seven's worth Ooh. yeah I just can't see that that isn't a big time scandal. Hmm. Um, maybe it's a six with the smudge as the other point. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go a bit lower, actually. I'm going to go five and a half. Okay. Just because I think the fact that Constantine is there, abdicated yeah. for quite a while and seems to have been quite happy yeah. um, doing what he was doing, I think, oh, is it, we don't quite know. Maybe Murky, maybe he pushed him out, but I think that's not. I don't think that is quite a scandalous, unless we have evidence of this sort of house of cards style yeah, yeah. removal. Yeah. I think maybe there was a general sense that Constantine had lost the battle and everybody thought, time but, for someone new. But who is this guy? You can't, you can't, he come it's got to be a bit of intimidation there. <laughs> uh, so there was a seven from you mm. and a five and a half from me, so that's a twelve and a half. He's what winning. Scandal. He's doing pretty well. Oh no, he's drawing. He's drawing with Donald. No? Girick. Girick. Oh yeah, look at yourself. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, maybe that's we good, like then. his usurpation. Yeah. Mm. Subjectivity. In his favour, we've got the alliance with Edmund and the Saxons. Mm. And benefits of this, Constantine spent half of his reign resisting Athelstan. Mm. Pretty much constantly at war with England, suffered a full invasion or harrying mm. in 934. Athelstan was in Scotland, well mm. into Scotland. And we have that heavy defeat in 937. In contrast, Malcolm does this deal, is given territory, and has perfectly good relations throughout. Yeah, no True. problem whatsoever. Very good. And Malcolm's true to his word than Constantine, because Constantine made agreements with Athelstan, but then just remade them with the Vikings soon afterwards. And he seems to be on board, yeah, on board with this whole change of Viking guard in the yeah. middle. Let's get someone we can pick on easier. Yeah, yeah, he seems on board with it all. And so we don't have, um, apart from minor Viking raids on the coast, we don't have any invasion of Scotland during mm. this period. And indeed, England and Scotland actually have very peaceful relations for the next maybe sort of century That's pretty good then. So actually it's really, really it's solid. Quite a good legacy yeah. there. Um, and according to a medieval chronicler, John of Forden, mm-hmm. um, he was also a very good ruler. Good. Now he was wont every year, unless hindered by more important matters, mm-hmm. to traverse the provinces of his kingdom, executing judgment on robbers and repressing the lawlessness of freebooters. Smugglers. Right. <laughs> um, it's not mentioned elsewhere, so there is an extent uh, to which you might suppose that John of Forden just makes some of this stuff up. I don't believe anyone at this time would do that. Um, but it's a believable thing for a medieval mm. king to be doing. Yeah. And it adds a bit of colour, so it's nice to yeah. assume it. I, th- I think he's quite, quite strong here. Against him, right? if we must have that. We do have the suggestion of internal division in Scotland. Mm. So under Constantine... Um, we haven't had anything at all. He seems to have ruled a pretty united kingdom for quite a long period. <laughs> for quite a long period mm. without any trouble. In fact, he has that meeting at Schoon in 906. Constantine, where he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He brought everyone yeah. together. In contrast, Malcolm, we've got that uncertainty about the abdication. 
mm-hmm. and Constantine, whether he kicked him out. Mm-hmm. And there would have been probably some people that weren't so happy about this change in regime, if it happened like that. We've got Kellak in Moray, where he goes in. Yes. So that suggests that there was a local rebellion. Um, and his death may also have been a cause of local tensions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a way, we've got Scotland... Perhaps not Malcolm's fault, but it is getting towards dynastic conflict and maybe... Yeah, his death in- indicates some mm. some division there somewhat. Um, and there are also some Viking raids, which again uh, comes from John of Forden, and he blames this on the alliance with the Saxons. So he says that afterwards, um, this turned to the great loss of Malcolm's kingdom, for the Norwegians and Danes, who had formerly long been his friends and allies, were stirred up to molest him and his kingdom exceedingly, and for a long time afterwards kept us sailing the harbours and the country around on the seaboard. Kept us sailing around? A-sailing, as in an a-sailing. Oh, a-sailing, a yes, right. We'll be a-sailing Kept tonight, us just having friends. a lovely time. Um, Again, yeah. there's no particularly other strong evidence for this, but there's a suggestion, I suppose, that the Vikings has had a little bit of a retribution for being given yeah. up by him, but it might have just been, you know, a bit But, but that's him playing the game. Isn't it? As before, um, staying good to his word with uh, Edred. Yeah. Um, and uh, squeezing the Vikings in the middle. They can have a they're small pinprick attack on two or so. There's no evidence it makes any particular impact. Yeah. Um, so, that is his. I his like balance it. Sheets for uh, subjectivity. It's really good. I suppose what we don't have is him really doing anything that's kind of like a law or a changing yeah. government or a justice or a system of some sort yeah uh, no but given the time that he's mm-hmm. got to do all this and I mean the length of time and the era yeah it's good we haven't seen much who else have we seen well I mean Constantine II was a big he was the big one thus yeah. far because of you know he did sort of bring the country we've got the idea mm. of Scotland starting really under Constantine yeah. and all that sort of stuff going on we did the church and state stuff yeah um, so yeah it's probably not as strong as that although having said that you've got the the peace with England for a long time and he said he was a good king mm. and he was a canny king mm. I'll give him the same benefits that I gave Constantine on the mm. alliance and all that I, I'll probably what did Constantine get he got a 17 big old score um, so one of us went slightly higher than the other there mm-hmm. I'll go I don't think I'll give him quite as strong as that maybe one point less I will go eight mm. I was thinking no, no, seven. I'm going seven. Yeah, I was well, a bit more like that. I was thinking six and a half. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good, but I think we'll have better. As soon as I said eight, I th- thought I've got time. nowhere else to go there, really. <laughs> Everyone else, yeah, just back ten. Yeah. Fine. Um, so, a seven and a six and a half, that's 13.5 for subjectivity. He's going pretty well. Mm. Longevity. So he rules from 943 to 954. Mm-hmm. So it's 11 years, which when converted... The into yeah. a score out of 20 gives him a score of 3.81. Uh, that's 11 years. How does that compare 3.81? Well, actually, he's the third king we've had thus far to be oh, king really? for 11 years. It's quite a popular length of reign. Oh, you see, I was thinking that he didn't actually have that long to do all this stuff in. Mm. But I suppose there was lots of toing and froing with mm. around. Yeah. No, yeah, decent. It, it's a low score because um, this one is biased towards the fact that I think not to give anything away, a later monarch has a big score. Right. And that makes everybody else's look mm, a bit rubbish. Mm. Dynasty, not the program. 
He has two known surviving children, mm-hmm. which gives him a score for Dynasty of 4.44. He's a second 4.4-er. Yes, that's just the same as Constantine. The second highest. Mm. So that gives him an overall total of 46.26, which is a pretty good score. He's, he's not as high as Kenneth and Constantine's second, our previous winners. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Mm. I think that's... We've... we've come through all the points there to place him third and there's no calculation this beforehand but I think that should be where he sits he's definitely we've got more for him than we've got for the others who didn't get the Rex Factor yeah um, and the other two that scored uh, higher than him were the two that got the Rex Factor mm. which leads I suppose us to Rex Factor now I think this is an interesting one because I think Kenneth McAlpin Constantine II were just obviously they had the Rex Factor yeah Everyone else we'd done prior to this obviously didn't. <clears throat> we had nothing to go on. Malcolm is probably the first one in this series where we do have good stuff to go on. We've got things to consider, which gives him a cause for the Rex Factor. But is that enough? Does he actually have that bit extra? Well, when we were discussing this, I was struggling. I mean, obviously, I hang on your every word, Graham. <laughs> but I was thinking, how is he going to fare mm. for exactly that reason? That he's, he's right in the middle. I, I, I'd be happy mm. to give him the Rex Factor because, and you'll see the picture <laughs> later, <laughs> readers, because um, uh, he looks fab, mm. he's well into the war, which is what it's all about this time, but also tempering that with a bit of diplomacy, fighting when necessary, mm. keeping his head, however, right up until the end. Yes. But does that matter? Because we've had Rex Factor winners who have died in the past, mm. um, and does that make their story more interesting like there's mm. a, it, it would make a great Hollywood film we always we always talk about that but a, a nice juicy death rather than just mm. ruling for an end and then you know an hour and a half into the film he's aged 30 years because nothing happens yeah. it's a big bang is he a bit like um, one of his contemporaries Edmund the first mm. of, Scot- of, of England Saxon, just, just refresh me oh, yeah. yeah so he's the first one the one that gets stabbed by the thief. oh yeah 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 he captures the Midlands back, he gets York back, he does that stuff in Cumbria, yeah. he makes the alliance with the Scots, he's looking really, really great, but at 25, stabbed by a thief, short reign, yeah. and he doesn't get to go on and do all these things. Is Malcolm a bit like that? Has he actually done enough, or is he just looking good, and then pops his clogs? Did we say at the time, you can't be retroactive if you get assassinated? It wasn't that you that. can't if you don't assassinate it, but I suppose it was that you can't be retroactive on the basis that, well, I mean, if he hadn't been assassinated, he would have... Yeah, but yeah, yeah. so you can't give him retroactive on what he might have done. Because I suppose, for Malcolm, we've got first ever Malcolm. Brute. I mean, give it to him. The Saxon Alliance, mm. and a bit of meddling in York. Mm. Against him, he does get defeated by Eric Bloodaxe, and that was his, maybe his chance for a big... Yeah, that okay. You're right. That was he have a big moment that Eric Malcolm does something. You think, wow, we'll remember that. Yeah, that was his moment to claim Rex Factor. Mm. He didn't get it. If you defeat a Viking called yeah. Bloodaxe, you get it. And I know that's tempting, but always remember, <laughs> don't take on a Viking called exactly. Bloodaxe. It'll just come back to haunt you. So I think mm. I am very close, but no. I think I agree with you. He was a contender. Yeah, he really factor. was. He probably had the stuff, but it didn't yeah. quite happen on the day. I don't know why. Now I've said no, he's looking at me. He's not looking <laughs> he's charging right at me. I'm sorry, Malcolm. So that is a close but nevertheless unanimous no for Malcolm I. He doesn't quite have the Rex factor. No. Bad luck, but you know. But he was a good one. 
next time we might have a Rex Factor winner. Maybe. Now, you can, of course, get in touch mm. with us on various social media. Let us know if you think that he deserved the Rex Factor. Were we too harsh to Malcolm the First? Uh, you can message us on Twitter, at Rex Factor Pod. Like us on Facebook. Yep, I'm catching back up with that again. Get involved in the discussions. You can email us at rexfactorpodcast.hotmail.com. And if you want to support the podcast, um, something that will really help is leaving a review on iTunes. Yes, and subscribing on iTunes. That really boosts Helps us. Helps to boost yeah. us. And there's a new thing on Podbean, which I forgot to mention to you before we started oh, right. recording. Go ahead. Um, on the website rexfactor.podbean.com, you can do a one-off donation on PayPal. Right. But they'll also you'll now find on our blog, rexfactor.wordpress.com, um, a link which says become a patron. So you can support us through crowdfunding. Oh, right. Which means that you could actually, if you wanted to make a regular payment, Ooh. then you can set yourself up to do that. That so sounds fun. Why don't I do that? Exactly. Oh, yeah. So Ooh. rather than like to sort of do maybe one-off payment, if you wanted to keep on supporting us and help us pay our casts, improve yeah. our sound, etc., you can make monthly donations. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I think all the kill kids are going to do it. In fact, I'm going to do it, so then I'll pay myself for my Patreon. Exactly. Uh, so the way it works is that there will be different um, pledges. So I think the bottom one is like a dollar a month. Boom. And then the idea is that we'll think of some kind of rewards. Yeah. I've already, I'm already thinking of things, but I'll tell you with this microphone off. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we've got goals on there, like buying yeah. new microphones and stuff. So that will all be developing. So if you want to do that, that would be very lovely. Um, a couple of messages. Oh, yeah. Love a message. Um, our previous episode, as we said, Constantine the Second won the X Factor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's fair to say people seem to agree. Ariane Rana Adair Nichols on Facebook said, Good call on Constantine the Second. I cheered out loud. Mm-hmm. Sometimes great men define one another through an adversarial crucible. Both of them may have been greater than they would have been otherwise because they had the other as a rival. A good loss against an excellent opponent should sometimes count more than an easy win against a great foe. Oh, no, that's something that could be said for Malcolm, actually. Mm. Mm. Good. Insightful. And also a little bit of a correction from uh, Dave Wilson by email. Um, he's pointing out that in Anglo-Saxon Kingdom of Northumbria, in the north, you've really got what you call Angles mm. as opposed to Saxons. Which we've never got into too much, no, but yeah. there is sometimes a difference between an Angle and a Saxon. They're not all just Anglo-Saxons. Okay. And this might explain why the northern bit of Northumbria seems to have been operating a little differently. The Angles being a bit... the other bits there, maybe. Yeah, exactly. A little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Oh, it only took, what, eight episodes? <laughs> yeah. Um, you also pointed out that I was pronouncing Bamber wrong, because I was saying Bamber instead of Bamborough, like Edinburgh. Oh, right. Edinburgh. Um, and he also recommended you, if you hadn't, should visit. I really want to. I really want to. I've seen it. I looked at it on Google Images, almost with inappropriate lust. <laughs> I've got to get there. And you presumably want to visit another castle nearby called Dunstanborough. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to bypass it. I'm going to spray paint the signs. <laughs> Mm. So, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, please do. You may get your email or whatever read out. And, uh, yes, let us know what you think about uh, Malcolm the First. And go on to rexfactor.wordpress.com and find the polls where you can oh, yeah. take Vote. part and let us know. I've mm. also put up the English monarchs as well, so you can go back to the old episodes. Lovely. And tell us that Echo the People deserved it, which seems to be the main focus. Mm. So, next time we'll be doing uh, Indulf. The first? Surely. I think first, and perhaps the only of that name. <laughs> uh, until then, it's goodbye for me. Cheerio for me.